Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Sometimes it's hard to let go of past hurts, and we carry unnecessary burdens. Pastor Robert Quintana begins part one of a new series of messages that will show you how God can free you from the baggage you may carry, and letting go, how forgiveness brings freedom. You know, forgiveness is one of those really touchy subjects. It's probably one of the most misunderstood subjects um, when you're talking about church and religion and when you, when you go to the Bible, it's oftentimes misunderstood, misinterpreted, misapplied. Forgiveness can be a very touchy subject. And that's what we're going to try and tackle for the next three weeks today and the next two weeks after this three-part uh, sermon series on forgiveness. Now, when I think of forgiveness, I think of three major categories, and I'm going to share those with you just now, and I want you um, to hear these categories and in your mind, think to yourself, do I relate or can I associate with any one of these three categories? Do any one of these three categories apply to me or speak to me? So the first one, which is the one that we're going to talk about here today, is understanding God's forgiveness for mankind. God's forgiveness towards mankind. Understanding what it means for God to forgive you, to forgive me. The second one, which is part two, is how do we forgive or how do we exercise forgiveness towards others? Does anyone ever struggle with that or think of that? How do I extend forgiveness towards my neighbor or towards my friend or towards my spouse or towards my children? When someone offends you and they hurt you, how do I go about forgiving them. Maybe you feel you were wronged at church, or maybe you feel that you were wronged at work. How do you go about forgiving others? That's the second part, which we're going to cover next week. And then the third major category that I think of when I think of forgiveness, and I think that a lot of people struggle with this internally and never really share it with others, They just kind of go through life just struggling with this day after day. And that category is, how do I forgive myself? How do I move on? How do I get past my past mistakes? Or when I do something wrong, when I do something bad, when I think to myself, oh, Robert, you silly, why did you say that? Or why did you do that? How can you go about forgiving yourself? And that's what we're going to talk about in part three. So right now, I know that I have pretty much covered everyone here today or anyone listening online or anyone listening on the radio. You can associate with one of these three major categories when we talk about forgiveness. And I hope that as we study the Word of God and as we look at the Word of God and find out what God has to say about forgiveness, that we might be able to find some answers to these questions. That we might be able to leave here with an understanding of what God expects of us or what God wants from us when we talk about forgiveness. 
Because I'm telling you that when you study from the Word of God what God has to say about forgiveness, and when you set in your heart and you, you say to yourself, I am going to, to step out in faith and I am going to exercise in faith what God has to say about forgiveness, you will find a freedom that maybe you've never experienced before or maybe an, a, a freedom that you haven't experienced in a long, long time. And so we're going to talk about three things in this series The first one is God's forgiveness towards mankind. The second one is how do we go about forgiving others who have wronged us? And the third is how do I forgive myself? How can I get past my past mistakes and not live in the past? So the first thing that we're going to look at is God's forgiveness. Now, before we dive into God's forgiveness, there's, I feel, something very important that we need to establish from the beginning, from the get-go. And so in order to do that, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 17. And I hope you brought your Bibles today, and I hope you're prepared to use it, because there are several passages that we're going to be looking at today. The first one is Romans chapter 5. We actually read uh, this passage not too long ago. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. It was in a different context. We were talking about having the assurance of salvation. But here we're going to talk about it in the context of forgiveness. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says this. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in what? What does it say? resulting in, I can't hear you, condemnation. Now, no one likes that word. I don't like the sound of that word. That word is kind of an ugly word, is it? No one likes to be condemned. But the Bible tells us and teaches us that through Adam's sin, through his disobedience, through his first offense, Back in the Garden of Eden, judgment came to the whole world, resulting in our condemnation. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That's not fair. And I agree with you. It is not fair. But there's a part of me that wonders if that's not what God was warning Adam and Eve of. There's a part of me that wonders, maybe that's what God was trying to say. Sin isn't fair. And sin is going to suck your life out. And it is going to take the life of your children and your children's children for generations to come. Sin is not fair, God said to Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve chose otherwise. And as a result... Through that disobedience, judgment came to the world. Condemnation came to all of us. Now, I don't like the sound of that. 
I think that that's unfair. But as that saying goes, it is what it is. And here we are now. So the question really should be, what do I do now? Is there anything that I can do now? Moving forward, is there hope? Moving forward, is there redemption or restoration? I mean, it does me no good to dwell in the past and be in the past and, and, you know, worry and be upset about things that are out of my control. The one thing I can't control is what do I think now? What do I do now moving forward? But the point is, or the point that I'm trying to make is make no mistake about it. We were condemned to die. We were all condemned. This world is under condemnation. And this is why the Bible says, if you turn to John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most famous verses of all time, John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, a lot of times we just stop right there and we don't read verse 17, but it's important for us to understand and read verse 17. Because Roman tells us that because of Adam's sin, through his offense, judgment came into the world, bringing, resulting in what? Condemnation. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Why did Jesus not come to condemn the world? Why? Because the world was condemned already. I mean, Jesus did not come to the world to condemn it. Why? The world's already condemned. And so the Bible teaches us As God is revealing to mankind the plan of salvation, he says, I have not sent Jesus Christ to condemn the world. No, 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 no. It says here, I have not sent, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is why Jesus came to the world, not to condemn it, We were condemned already. He came to the world so that we might find life in him, so that we might find purpose, so that we might find redemption and restoration, so that we can find healing, so that we can once again be placed at that rightful place that God originally intended for all of us back there in the Garden of Eden. The world was condemned through the actions of Adam and Eve. You might think that's not fair, and I agree with you. It's not, but it is what it is. And the world was condemned, but through Jesus Christ, we can find the answers. We can find the healing and the freedom that we seek from sin. So we need to understand that. You see, because a lot of times we want to blame God. We want to say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Or God, why didn't you stop it? And we want to blame God for the sin that entered the world. God, you could have stopped it. I mean, you knew what Lucifer was up to. You could have stopped it. 
The bottom line is, folks, God did not want to create a bunch of robots. I mean, the truth of the matter is that God can control you. He can if he wanted to. He can control everything that you do, everything that you say. He can control every decision that you make. Now, when you think about God that way, how much fun and how pleasurable does God sound in that way? You're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Maybe I I don't want that. The truth is, for those of us that have been around long enough and, and for those of us that have been studying the word, it is a willingness heart. A humble heart that says, God, I surrender. I I actually do want you to control me. I actually do want you to lead me and to guide me. But God isn't going to force it. God isn't going to say to you, I demand or I want you to do this and to do that. No, 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 no. God values your free will and he respects that just like he did back 6,000 years ago with Adam and Eve. And so when Adam and Eve chose, judgment came into the world. We were condemned because of it. But now Jesus Christ comes so that the world might live. Now, one of the process or one of the tools that's used for us to experience that freedom to experience that life that Christ came to give us is through forgiveness. That's right. One of the things that God uses to restore us and to redeem us and to heal us and to free us from sin is forgiveness. And that's why this is such a huge subject when we talk about forgiveness, because it is one of the ways that God uses to restore mankind back with him. And so that's why I've chosen to look at these different aspects of forgiveness. And we're going to take our time to study these different aspects so that we understand forgiveness. Because if we are to experience that freedom, that life that Christ came to give us, we need to understand forgiveness We need to understand how it applies from God to man. We need to understand how it applies from from man to man. And we need to understand how it applies from man to oneself. And so when I think about forgiveness in, in reference to Scripture and what the Bible has to say about forgiveness, there are two things that pop to mind. There are two elements involved in forgiveness. One element is that of repentance The second is that of confession. So let's go to some verses here that will speak about this. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where we're going to look at the first element of forgiveness. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And it says, Repent. Therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, so that your sins may be forgiven. 
But what does it say before that? It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's talking about the refreshing, that renewing, that redeeming restoration, the the life that one experiences when you experience that forgiveness that comes down from God. But notice what the beginning of the verse says. It says, repent. In other words, be Convert it. Repent. Turn away from your wicked ways. That's what the word repent means. The word repent means to literally turn aside or, or to turn around. So here it is. You're headed down this road, and this road really isn't leading anywhere. In fact, it's leading to death. You think you have all the answers. You think you have all the solutions. You're selfish enough to say, you know, I'm going to continue to do things my way. The Bible says, don't go down that road. That road isn't going to bring healing. That road isn't going to bring restoration. No, no, that road is not going to bring the peace and the freedom that you seek. The Bible tells us to repent, like turn away from that road. And basically all you're doing is, okay, I am turning away from what I think is right and I am turning to God and I am asking God, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you're asking of me? How is it that I can fulfill your will, the things that you're asking of me? That's what repentance says. And the Bible says that when you repent, when you turn from your ways and you confess and you say, God, I am confessing that I don't know what I'm doing. I am confessing to you that I am messed up. I am confessing to you that I don't have all the answers. So what it means is that when you repent, when you turn and you confess and you say, God, I confess before you that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm having a really difficult time here. I think I know what I want. And I've been going down this road and, you know, financially with my friendships at home, like I keep on going down this road, but man, I just keep on hitting a brick wall and it keeps on ending up in hurts. You know, I think I want a relationship, but every time I go into a relationship, I get hurt. You know, I, I want to be financially secure, but all of these dealings that I'm making, I just keep on running into a wall and I keep on going more and more into debt. And so when you stop that madness and you repent and you say, wait a second, maybe what I think is right here, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm off track here. Let me repent, let me turn and let me confess to God, God, I need your help. The Bible tells us that your sins will be forgiven that your sins will be blotted out. Now, that might not make sense to you right now, but I think that as we, as we journey through this, it's going to become more and more clear why that is. And so there are two elements when we talk about forgiveness. The first one is repentance. The second one is confession. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John 
1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that not one of the most beautiful texts in all of Scripture? I mean, what a promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from 50% of our unrighteousness. Some of our unrighteousness. He might forgive us. He'll think about forgiving us. It's not what it says, is it? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's two elements that we're talking about here when we talk about forgiveness. And that is that we need to get to the point in life where we realize we need Jesus. We need our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you turn away. You turn from what you think is right. You turn and you confess to God, God, I need help. God, forgive me. I need you. I need you here right now with me. The Bible says that you will be forgiven. Now, let's explore this a little deeper. I'd like for you to go and turn in your Bibles to the book of Micah. Micah might be a hard to find. It's a small book towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets. It was our scripture reading for today. Micah chapter 7, starting with verse 18. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. And this is what it says. Who is a God like you? Like Micah's having a hard time comprehending this. Like he's going, man, this is pretty cool. He's like, who is a God like you? I mean, come on, really, who else is out there in the universe that would do this? I mean, Micah, a prophet of God, is having a hard time wrapping his mind around this. And he says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, which is another way of saying forgiving sin, and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Now, let's stop there for just a second and and look at these words here. The passing over of the transgressions. Now, how many of you would like God to pass over your transgressions? Show of hands. All right. Every single one of us here today. All right. And I don't care if you've been in the church for a long, long time or if you're new to the faith or if you're trying to figure out this whole church thing and relationship thing with God. Deep down inside, there is a part of us that says, I want my wrongs to be forgiven. Okay. And here the Bible says in Micah, Micah says, who is a God like you? who forgives sins, and now listen to this, and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Every one of us here want God to pass over our iniquities and to forgive us. But did you notice that it says, passing over the transgression of who? 
of the remnant of his heritage. In other words, God doesn't just pass over everyone's sins. God doesn't just pass and forgive everyone's sins. It's not what the Bible says. No. He pardons whose sins? He passes over whose sins? He passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. How can I be the remnant of his heritage? That's the question I want to ask, right? I want in. Whatever that means, whatever the remnant of his heritage is, that's what I want. So sign me up for it. All right, so we're going to talk about that for just a little bit. What does that mean, the remnant of his heritage? Well, if you look at this text in context, just a few verses before this, you realize that Micah is actually talking about the Egyptian when Israel was in Egypt. So he's making reference back to when the Israelites were captive in Egypt. Now, you remember the story. The Israelites were captive in Egypt and Pharaoh was a mean Pharaoh. And you remember he was taxing them and burdening them, you know, unnecessarily. And, and, and God calls Moses and says to Moses, Moses, go to Egypt. I have a task for you. You know, you need to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. But Pharaoh isn't going to listen. But I will be with you. I will stand by you. I will send plagues. Pharaoh will eventually let my people go. So Pharaoh, I mean, Moses goes to Pharaoh. He says, God has told me, let my people go. And as God predicted, Pharaoh goes, "Uh uh-uh. Well, plague one, plague two, plague three, plague four. Man, Pharaoh is stubborn, right? Plague five, six, seven, eight. Nine, what was the 10th plague? Do you remember what the 10th plague was? The 10th plague. The death of the firstborn. And so he goes to Moses and he says, Moses, I need you to instruct the people. And I need every household to go sacrifice a lamb. A perfect, spotless lamb. You need to sacrifice that lamb. And then you need to take the blood of that lamb. And you need to put it on the doorpost of your home. Because when the angel of death comes by. If he sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. The angel of death will what? Pass over and not bring that plague to that family. And all, of course, if we relate it to now, if we relate it to today, this is what this means, is that the blood of Jesus Christ, if we smear that blood, and this might sound a little yucky, right? I understand that, but we're talking symbolically here, right? If we smear that blood on our lives, when the angel of death comes by, he will pass over our transgressions. Why? Because when the angel of God looks down, he doesn't see you and he doesn't see your sins. No, he sees the blood of Christ that is covering your life. And the angel of God looks down and he says, the sins and the transgressions, all the iniquities of that life have already been paid for on the cross. 
In other words, I do not need to hold them or he or her accountable for those sins because that debt, that account was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so here Micah is making an allusion to this. He is referring back to when the angel of death passed over. So let's read it again, understanding that. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. In other words, when you repent, when you confess you become a member of the family of God. When you turn and you say, God, I don't want to go down this road anymore. I just keep on running into dead ends and I keep on running into brick walls. God, I'm going to consciously make a decision to follow you, to follow your ways, to follow what it is that you've instructed me to do, even though it doesn't make sense. I am consciously choosing to turn and follow you. I confess that I need help. At that moment, you are covered by the blood of Christ. You have entered into the family of God. You are now a remnant of his heritage, which means your sins are forgiven. Amen. I mean, that is good news. We complicate things. We make things so complicated, but it really isn't that complicated. It really is that easy. Let's keep on reading. It says, he does not retain his anger forever. Because he delights in mercy. I mean, that is awesome. And this is in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, the Old Testament laws and regulations and the do's and don'ts. I love the New Testament because it's full of grace. Really? This is in the Old Testament. And it says that God delights. He takes pleasure in showing mercy. He takes pleasure in forgiving. You know, when I was in fourth grade, it was one of two years that I spent in public school. And my teacher's name was Mr. Payne. And for some reason, he liked living up to his name. Mr. Payne used to walk around the classroom with a hammer. That's right. Now, I never did see him strike any of the students with the hammer. But I mean, you're, you're in fourth grade, you know, you're what, 10, 11 years old? It's pretty intimidating when, when a guy is, is walking around with a hammer, right? And uh, he would walk around when everyone's studying and concentrating and you might be taking a quiz and you might be, you know, all focused in your work and he would come by with a hammer and he would just go, on the desk and the whole class would just jump out of their seats he would I mean he just scared but man was he mean I mean he was just constantly after you looking whenever you messed up man there was no grace in fact I remember once someone you know said something that they weren't supposed to and and they were like please please forgive me I promise I won't say it again I promise I won't say it again and he's like no There are consequences to your actions. I'm thinking to myself, well, I know that, but man, they don't teach grace in public schools, do they? I mean, that was what I was thinking, right? I was like, man, this is, uh, you better not mess up. And, And I mean, I don't think I'm that old, but 
I'm, I guess I'm old enough that when I was in grade school, you know, um, corporate punishment was still allowed in, in some areas or to some degree. And if someone was out of line, man, he'd take them to the back room and he'd, they'd come out crying. <laughs> he had a ruler back there, a few swipes. I, I never went. I never got sent to the back room. Mike, I just never got caught. <laughs> but you know, sometimes that's what we think of God. That's the picture that we have of God is like Mr. Payne. You know, just out to get us. Whenever we mess up, that's, that's God right there. And, and God is so disappointed in you. And he's so irate and he's so mad. He just, he can't believe that he, that he did this again. Folks, when God came to this world, we were already sinners. We were already pathetic, sinful. We were already condemned to die. God did not come to condemn us anymore. God has come so that we might have life. And this is why when we turn, when we repent and when we confess, this is why God delights in mercy. His heart just is just overwhelmed. It's just ready to forgive. It's ready to cover you with the blood of Jesus Christ, with the blood of of the one that has already shed his blood for you and for me. Man, so you think about this grace. You think about this mercy. You th- and this is why Micah says, how? How can there be a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the, sin- over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue or take hold of, control our sins, our iniquities. You will cast most of our sins into the depths of the sea. Oh, see, some of you are paying attention. You will cast all, all, I mean, the good sins, like even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, the bad sins, and like the really ugly sins, all sins, it says here, into the depths of the sea. Listen, there is no sin out there. There is nothing that has been committed in this generation by anyone here that is not too far beyond God's reach. Can you understand that? There is nothing. There is no sin. There is no struggle. There is no addiction. There is nothing in this room that God cannot forgive. The Bible teaches us that where sin abounds, what? Grace trumps it. Grace is there so much more. All right? And the Bible teaches us that when we have an attitude of repentance, 
when we have an attitude of confession, when we have an attitude that says, not my will, but your will, God, I surrender, the Bible teaches us that all of those sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that he will pass over those transgressions. Why? Because the debt that was accumulated by those sins were paid in full at the cross by Jesus Christ. I mean, just to reiterate this point, turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Again, here we are still in the Old Testament. Psalms 103, verse 3. This is what it says. Psalms 103, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. There it is again. It's all encompassing. We don't need to leave here today wondering or questioning, man, are there sins in my life that God can't forgive or won't forgive? I am telling you that the Bible teaches us That if you have an attitude of repentance and confession, in other words, you are turning away and you're saying, God, I am committing my life to you. The Bible teaches us that through his grace and mercy, he covers everything. Covers it all. Right? We are justified. We are set free. We can experience that forgiveness. And so all I have to ask here today is won't you take the chance to experience that freedom? I mean, won't you take the chance here today, leaving here today, just take the chance to be free? I mean, you've been doing it your way for a long time. And and maybe for some of you, you think it's working. I'm telling you, it's a dead end. If it's your will, or if it's what the world is teaching, it will eventually end at a brick wall. The Bible tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the way of it leads to death. But I am telling you that if you take the chance on God and you say, God, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you. And no longer am I going to go down this path. I am consciously making a decision to seek you and your will. And I am repenting. I am confessing to you. The Bible teaches us that your sins are covered, that they are forgiven. Won't you take a chance on that freedom? I'm asking you, join me as together we take that chance. And we turn our attentions to God. We turn our attention to him so that we can experience the freedom that forgiveness brings. Now, next week and the following week, things are going to get a little dicey around here because we're going to talk about parts of forgiveness that we don't like to talk about. You see, the reason why I shared with you this first message Part one is because if we hope to understand how we need to forgive one another and how we should forgive ourselves, we first need to understand God's forgiveness for us. 
In other words, if we're going to understand how we need to exercise part two and three of this message, of this series, we need to understand part one. And so make no mistake about it that as you leave here today, part one, God forgives us freely. And he forgives all of our sins. So leaving here today, I'm just asking, take the chance. Take the chance to experience God's forgiveness as you turn your hearts to him. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link. 